let me tell you what. God is in the business of saving lives, restoring souls. And I don't care how ugly your past has been. I don't care how grim your family is and how lackadaisical your mom and your dad are. That means nothing to me. What means everything to me is that you understand and know that you have a Father in heaven who gave up everything that you might have life and have life abundantly. We would like to welcome you to Getting in the Word with Pastor Stuart Guthrie. Pastor Stewart is the teaching pastor of Family Bible Fellowship in Early Branch, South Carolina, and he has been teaching through a series on the book of John. We hope that you will join us as we begin Getting in the Word. Here is Pastor Stewart. Everyone here today has items in their homes, manufactured products, things like toasters and microwaves and ovens and You name it, you probably have it. They are all designed for specific purposes. They are designed for specific functionality. You could ultimately say all of these things that we purchase to make our lives more convenient have a reason for being. Now, if we started using these items that are manufactured for a specific purpose, then we might start encountering some things that we're not so pleased with. Um, If we started trying to cook our pizza in the refrigerator when it's time to eat, it would not be so tasty. The oven doesn't tell the maker what it's to do, but rather the oven just simply does what it is manufactured to do because that's the functionality in which it was created for. Listen, this morning, you and I are no different. You and I are manufactured by the creator of the universe. And you were created for a God-sized purpose. And God dictates to you and to I why we exist and our purpose. And you come this morning and maybe you don't know what your purpose is. Well, I want you to know that God manufactured you perfectly for His glory and for His honor. Today I want us to see as we look into the book of John that John has been given, John the Baptist has been given a God-sized purpose and for which you and I would be wise to follow. And so I've entitled the message today, Have a Purpose to Follow. God gives us through the book of John a God-sized purpose that you and I would be wise to follow. You are called by God to fulfill your unique reason for being. John is going to show us what his is, his reason for being. And again, we would do well to follow. If you will, let's turn in our Bibles to the book of John We'll be looking in chapter 1, again, verses 6 to 13. It reads, There came a man sent from God whose name was John. 
He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. There was the true light which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world And the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Today I want us to look at three main ideas that flow from this text. First, I want us to see the witness of Christ. Secondly, I want us to see the work of Christ. And thirdly, I want us to see the reward of Christ. Let's begin by looking as we see the witness of Christ. First thing we have to do is ask ourselves the question, who was this man, John? The text reads, There came a man sent from God whose name was John. Was John the one in which we read the book of John, or is there a different John in which this passage is referring to? So we have to ask the question, who is John? Most everybody, including those that are followers of Christ and those that are not followers of Christ, have heard of this man John at some point. The John in which is referred to here is John the Baptist, not John the writer of the Gospel of John. So don't confuse John the Baptist uh, with the writer of the book of John, the Gospel. For these are not the same men. They are it's simply John writing about John the Baptist, obviously under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist, listen, is one of the most significant, distinguished figures in all of Scripture. And while John was known as the Baptist, he was in fact the first prophet that had been called by God since Malachi, some 400 years of silence. Think about that. Malachi, the the last prophet to prophesy, then there was 400 years of silence. And on comes the scene, John the Baptist, sent by God. John's coming was foretold over 700 years previously in the book of Isaiah chapter 40 when he says a voice of one crying in the desert, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. Every valley should be raised up, every mountain and hill made low, the rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all mankind together will see it. From the mouth of our Lord has spoken. Isaiah 40, verses 3 to 5. A matter of fact, the Old Testament closes with Malachi's prophecy of the Elijah-like prophet to come before the day of the Lord in Malachi 3.1. We see this really unfold in Luke one seventeen, as the angel of the Lord tells Zechariah that this is pointing to John the Baptist. John, he had a great impact among the people of that time and even still today. 
John was a man sent by God to do his work, and that was to prepare the way for the Lord. One writer says this passage illustrates God's master plan in action as God selected John to be his special ambassador to proclaim his own coming. 400 years of silence awaiting Messiah. And on comes the scene, John, the baptizer. John was a man with a God-sized purpose, with a mission. Listen, he didn't get wrapped up in all of the other exterior things of life. He didn't get all distracted by the things of the world. He didn't get all distracted by chasing the financial prosperity of the day. He didn't get all wrapped up in building his own little kingdom, making for himself a name. But rather, John the Baptist was a man on mission for God. A man that we would do wise to follow in his footsteps. John, the greatest man of all time. And Christ confirms that when he says this in Matthew 11, 11, he says, Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has not arisen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is at least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. John was a man that was known as being great. And he was great because he was a man that did what he was called to do. But what about you this morning? What about us this morning? Individually, as a church, as a local body of believers, would you be known as a man or woman of God? full of greatness because you were known for doing what you've been called to do? Don't you want to be that person? Accomplishing the very thing in which the creator of the universe has called you to do? You know, I always say the graveyard is one of the most untapped potentials in the world. It's full of potential that was never used. And if we could drill down and suck out that potential and place it in people and that would thrive and live it out, boy, we would be a different generation of people. Listen, I don't know about you, but I want to ask you the question, are you doing what you've been called to do today? Listen, it starts... By knowing your purpose, your calling, your gifting. Have you faithfully, like John, pursued your divine reason for being? Your manufactured purpose by the greatest manufacturer to ever have existed, God himself. Not only do we ask the question, who was this man called John, sent by God, but we can ask, what was his purpose? 
What was the purpose of this witness? The text continues. There came a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. This clears up any confusion as to what John's purpose may have been. The text simply says that John the Baptist came to do two things, to witness and to testify about the light. These two Greek words, witness and testify, are legal terms. They are words that are related to fact, not opinion. Not ideas or suggestions, but rather facts. Some would call this courtroom talk. Brian may understand that a little better than some of us. But they were witnessing and testifying of things that were true. We live in a culture that believes truth is relative, that you create your own truth, but we know well and good that the Word of God is absolute truth. We talked about it in our membership class this morning. Now we know that the word light here has already been used in the first verses in which we looked at last week, pointing us to Christ. The light of the world. John the Baptist came as a witness to testify about what? The light. Christ. The Word. It was in the beginning with God. He was there with God and was God. The ultimate thesis statement of John is so that all might believe through Him, Jesus Christ. And this is the one in whom John comes to witness and to testify John didn't come to give you some emotional driven hope or he didn't come with games and and craftiness in his speech as as Paul would say he didn't come with elegant of speech rather he came to simply testify about the one who is worthy of testifying the worthy of witnessing about that is Jesus Christ God in the flesh I love the how the He says next, he was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. Seems a little odd that John would have to clarify this. That John is not the Christ, the light of the world, but rather he simply wanted to come to testify about Jesus Christ. But I think it's very important to say this. You and I easily worship people. These folks, it's 400 years of silence. And all of a sudden, a man sent by God, a prophet of old, now begins to speak on behalf of God. And people begin to look at John as maybe he's the Messiah. And so he wants to clarify, no, 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 no. I am not the Messiah, but I come to testify about the Messiah. Sometimes it's easy to become a person follower rather than a follower of Jesus Christ. And that's why many times in pulpits when the pastor's not there, the congregation don't show up to church. Because they're not Jesus followers, they're people followers. Listen, I'm just a sinful man 
forgiven by the grace of God who's been gifted to teach and to preach the word. And so when I show up, I'm simply pouring out what God has poured into me through his word. But if I'm not here, guess what? The next man that's standing in this pulpit is just as valuable as I am because I might kill over right now and you never see me again. Behold, if we come to a church because of a man and rather than Jesus, we've missed the mark. We do See the witness of Christ, John the Baptist, who came to testify about the light, but secondly, we see the work of Christ. Not only we do see the witness of Christ, but the work of Christ. What did the word or light do is the question that we have to ask. He reads, There was the true light which coming into the world enlightens every man. Boy, that's a... Write that one down in your book. Highlight that one in your Bible. Underline it because I can promise you it'll come up again somewhere in your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Notice that he uses the phrase, there was the true light. This preassumes that there would be false light coming into the world. But the main difference between the true light and the false light is that the true light enlightens every man. Where the false light doesn't enlighten, rather it hinders. So Christ, the Word, the light, enlightens all people. So ultimately, that none are without excuse. You have what I like to call general revelation and special revelation. General revelation is, is, is that Christ that we see in creation. Flip over to Colossians, if you will. We looked at it last week, but it's a great reminder. Colossians chapter 1, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, great electric power company. Just to help you get through there. Mm. Look at there at uh, verse 15 of chapter 1. He reads this. We don't have a slide for this. I'm kind of sidekicking it here, but uh, that's why it's important to bring your Bibles so that you can follow along in the Word. He says this in verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. By Him all things were created, both in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authority, all things have been created through Him and for Him. Christ, Creator. Everything that we see has been created by Christ, the light. And Christ is Him who enlightens all people. And so we have general revelation that reveals Christ through His creation. All things came into being through Him, and apart from Him, nothing came into being. That was in verse 3. And so when you walk outside and you look up at the night sky and you begin to see all of the stars and the, the beautiful moon... Like when we have the full moon and it's so wonderful and my daughter's out there wanting to take pictures of it because, oh, it's the beautiful moon. Listen, the heavens 
declare the glory of God. Psalm 19.1 reminds us of this truth. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. When we come to see in Romans, when it shows us that general revelation is enough to point us to the Creator, to enlighten the world of His true being. It reads, For since the creation of the world is invisible attributes, His divine power, His divine nature have clearly been seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. General revelations enough. Listen, the reality is this. If you fail to be saved, it's not because God chose you for hell. It's because you have rejected the light which comes into the world that enlightens all mankind. But special revelation confirms the idea as well. We are reminded of verse 10 in his word that he is creator. It says, he was in the world... And the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. The New Living Translation, I like the translation because it clarifies what it's saying. It says, he came into into the very world he created, but the world did not recognize him. Let me tell you what light does. Light always overcomes darkness. Right? Right? A few years back, I found myself in downtown Israel in Old Town, Jerusalem. We went there on a 30-day study tour with Jerusalem University as my undergrad program. And there is a place called Hezekiah's Tunnel. It's an underground tunnel carved out by man, amazing, that runs with flowing water. If you are a claustrophobic kind of person... It ain't the place for you, but halfway through, what do you, you got to keep going, right? I mean, there were times I had to duck down and I couldn't even fit this way. I had to turn this way, scoot through, and there's water up to here. And I'm thinking, Lord Jesus, if this water starts rising, I'm toast. I mean, I'm 15, 20 minutes into this tunnel. And let me tell you what. So the first time in my life I ever found out what darkness looked like. You know, no, no, everybody's got their lights on, right? You know, little headlamps. And our professor that was our tour guide said, All right, everybody, I want you to stop for a minute. And I want you to cut off all your lights. It's like Bose head speakers. If the sounding, you ever put those on and cut them on? It's like, and that's what happened. The light just went, and it was pure darkness. I mean, it was so dark I could not see my hand this close to my face. Nothing. But I can promise you this. When someone cut a light on, the light overcame the darkness. Listen, Jesus came into the very world in which he created and shined his light for all the world to see. He did it by his creation. 
And if you reject the gospel of Jesus Christ, if you reject that Jesus came into the world to save you, you are repelling the light because the light always overcomes the darkness. Let me tell you what it didn't take but just a little light to shed light into darkness. He did that so that all humanity was enlightened. You see, the cross of Christ is sufficient to save all mankind. There was the true light which coming into the world enlightens every man. There is the sufficiency of enlightenment for dark people to have some light. But the cross of Christ is only efficient to those who will believe. Those that do not reject the light that has been given. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. The world did not know him. Rather, what we see is that the people rejected him instead. They rejected the word, the light, Jesus Christ. The the text reminds us, listen, that on all will believe. John continues, he says, he came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. I want to ask you a question this morning. How many of us have rejected the light? How many of us have repelled Jesus Christ and and suppressed it by trying to cover it? When He has enlightened us with His grace and with His mercy, God the Father sends God the Son into the world to live a perfect life so that you might be saved through the cross of Christ. And the light shone in the darkness, but the darkness did not receive Him, did not take Him in, did not, as we looked at last week, cato lombano Him. How many are rejecting the gospel of Jesus Christ? I believe that there are many in our day who reject, just like in this day, there were many who rejected. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. Jesus wasn't simply ignored by the world in which he came. Rather, he came to his chosen people that God had chosen and deemed special. And it was them that had rejected him. You know, he made a covenant with his people. With them, he he made a promise that he would send the very Messiah to deliver them from their sins and give them hope. The Messiah would come and he came to his own and his own received him not. They rejected the very Messiah that was promised to them. The fact remains, though, still today, that it could have been a chosen people 2,000 years ago that rejected, or a people in 2018 that still today reject Christ. But by the grace of God, 
He allows us as Gentiles, that's anyone who's not a Jew, I'm not a Jew, I'm a Gentile, to receive Jesus Christ as Messiah. Acts 4.12 reminds us salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. How about you today? Have you over the years rejected Christ? Jesus Christ is Lord of your life. I'm begging you. I'm pleading with you. Now I know and I understand that man is totally depraved, meaning you are dead. We all start out in the casket dead in our trespasses and sins. And if you came in these doors and you had no intention, somebody brought you here, you didn't want to be here, there is no light in you. There is darkness. But I want you to know there's hope for you. Because I believe that Jesus Christ came as a light and I plead with you and beg with you trusting in God, the Holy Spirit to enlighten you and to give you new life. We see the witness of Christ. We see the work of Christ through the rejection as He came into the world to enlighten you and yet they still reject But we see the reward for those who accept. The result of receiving Christ. The text continues. But as many as received Him, to them they gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in His name. That small yet but powerful word, B-U-T, changes the direction of everything from rejection to receiving And now you must ask yourself the question, what does it mean to receive Christ? You see, it's not enough to know about Christ. I mean, millions of people acknowledge certain facts about the Lord Jesus Christ, and they think that makes them a Christian. Oh, I know Jesus. I know Jesus died on the cross. I remember when I was a kid, and they used to stick those things on the board, and they showed me that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. But when I turned into the book of James, oh, I see something different. I see a Jesus that's approached at these demons, and they go, what do we have to do with each other? They knew who Jesus was, but that didn't make them saved. Listen, I don't care what you know about Jesus Christ unless you believe in Jesus Christ, receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. When Jesus comes back and bursts through those clouds, or you croak out and your last breath is taken, you will stand before the King of kings and Lord of lords. And if you have not accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as Messiah, as your Savior, As the light given into the world, you will be separated for eternity from God. And so I plead and beg, as many as received, to them He gave the right to become children of God. God sent His Son to purchase you on the cross at Calvary so that you could have Him as your Father. Is everyone a child of God? Of course not. Only those that have placed their faith in Jesus Christ can be considered a child of God. John 8.44 clarifies this truth that not everyone is a child of God. He says, you, though, are of your father the devil. 
And you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature for he is a liar and the father of lies. We know that some, their father is the devil and some there is the father God, the the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The Father, God, who sends John in the world to testify and to witness about the light. So I want to ask you the question, who's your daddy? That was supposed to be funny. I asked my wife if it was okay, and she said no, and I said, well, I'm going to do it anyway. Who's your father? This is, this, this is an important question. I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not talking about your physical father. Listen, they, they may have been a failure. Listen, there are many times as a father, I'm a failure. I'm not talking about who your physical father is. Is your father God? Or is your father Satan Because you fall into one of those categories. You can't be on the fence in the middle. Either it's God the Father or the Father of lies. And my hope and my desire is that you consider this question. Who is your Father? Verse 12 says, But as many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in His name. And so I was on the phone yesterday with a young man. I watched his life change for eternity. And he's able to call God his Father. He posted at some point, God is so good, Stuart. Jesus Christ is now my Savior. Let me tell you what. God is in the business of saving lives, restoring souls. And I don't care how ugly your past has been. I don't care how grim your family is and how lackadaisical your mom and your dad are. That means nothing to me. What means everything to me is that you understand and know that you have a Father in heaven who gave up everything that you might have life and have life abundantly. Don't hesitate. Don't wait. Don't let pride hold you from the kingdom. Today is the day of salvation. Why? Because you have breath in your lungs. For whoever calls upon in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says, shall be saved. As many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children. It's his right. What is it that you believe saves you this morning? Your deeds, your works. As Eric yesterday believed that his good works outweighed his bad works, therefore when he stood before God and God said, Why should I let you into heaven? He says, My good works, my good works were able to get me through. Huh. 
Jesus said, your greatest deeds are filthy rags. And if you want to get technical, look up that word. It ain't a pretty sight. It's by grace that we've been saved through faith and this not of ourselves. Listen, if you're saved today, I can promise you it has nothing to do with what you've done, but what He has done for you. It's about rather whom you trust in. And what we see next is truly a description of spiritual birth. Those that are saved, those that are born again of Christ, those of you who were born, listen, were not born of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but rather the will of God. Not that you loved God, but that God loved you and sent His Son into the world that you might have life. It's not by the power or desire of man, but rather the will of God. You see, John points us to the witness of Christ. John the Baptist, testifying and witnessing of the light that was to enlighten every man. And he's done that through general revelation and through special revelation, through his word. John points us to the work of Christ, this enlightenment. And finally, John points us to the reward of Christ. That whoever believes is called a child of God, born of God, not of man, but of God. You understand you have a purpose this morning. First is to follow. It's to follow. To trust in Christ. To place your faith in Christ. It's either to witness and testify of Christ in what He has done in your life. It's, it's, it's to respond to the work of the Holy Spirit in your life and to respond to the call of God and to salvation. And or your purpose is to embrace being called a child of God. The reward of knowing Him as Daddy. Abba. Father, and to fellowship with Him, and to spend time with Him. These things, He says, I've written to you that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in His name. Would you believe today? And if you are a believer, would you follow Him? Would you follow him and be an example like John was? Let's pray. We want to thank you for joining us on our program today. We pray that you are challenged, encouraged, and hope that you will stay connected with us for the weeks to come as Pastor Stewart walks us through the book of John. If you don't have a church home, Pastor Stewart would like to personally invite you to join their worship service at Family Bible Fellowship in Early Branch, South Carolina. They meet each week at 11 a.m. For more information about the church, visit them at familybiblefellowship.org. Thanks again for being with us and have a great week.